Hey, welcome to a new episode of Last Call Baseball, number 132. I'm Dorian. We are on the cusp of the end of the regular season. And I just read that Felix Bautista, the stud pitcher, the stud pitcher, the stud relief pitcher, the stud relief pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles is going to have Tommy John surgery. He's been out for a couple of months. And I also had been thinking over the past few months, the problems that the LA Dodgers are going to have, the Baltimore Orioles are going to have, the Texas Rangers when it comes to starting pitching, all those teams, the Houston Astros, they lost Luis, Luis Garcia earlier this year. Lance McCullers is going to not coming back until next year. And I thought, well, the Braves are going to make it easy. It's going to actually be even easier to get to the World Series this year. But wait, wait, pump your brakes because Max Fried has been in and out for a while. Charlie Morton is may will not pitch in the National League Divisional Series. And we're going to hope that Kyle Wright regains his regular season form from last year. We hope that Spencer Strider pitches better. And then I'm like, holy schmoly, all the teams in the playoffs are going to have pitching problems. So then I flipped and I thought, the key to going deep in this 2023 postseason is probably just going to be crazy offenses. So I'm going to predict there's going to be some really high-scoring games, I think higher than we would normally think of in the playoffs, just because of the quality of pitching for all the teams, whether you're, you're the Atlanta Braves or you sneak in, like, potentially the Miami Marlins. There's not going to be enough good pitching, and some of these offenses are beasts. So here's my final World Series prediction. I think it's going to be the Atlanta Braves, representing the National League, and, even though they haven't clinched yet, the Toronto Blue Jays from the American League. And the Braves are going to win the World Series in six games. We're going to see what happens in about five weeks. We got rid of our crystal ball a while ago. But if we had but if we had a, a really smart computer, like artificial intelligence, we could just feed it all the information of the regular season, all the historical playoffs, all that nonsense, and say, hey, computer, who do you think is going to win? And our next guest is going to talk about some artificial intelligence in the realm of art. This week, our special guest is Tim Raines, an abstract artist, not the master of stolen bases. Tim, welcome to Last Call Baseball. Uh, thank you very much, Dory. Appreciate it. Tim, you used to be a tech salesman. What would Tim, the salesman from years past, tell now Tim, the artist, about artificial intelligence? Oh, that's pretty, yeah, uh, pretty random question, but interesting. Um, I think that AI is transformative for art, and I'm positive about it. And I, I teach at a local art college for entrepreneurship, actually. It's definitely going to disrupt the industry, but I feel like it will open the doors for creatives especially animation or vr ar to become their own bosses uh lead a studio compete with disney all of those things that would you know today require 100 people it's back to uh the 80s where you could make you know organ trail software all by yourself and and create a game company so i think it's pretty cool as we know i think right now just a few days ago the 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 art the uh, the writer's tr strike 
was was finished be, one of the issues not just because of of money the residual royalty money but also the fact that the studios could just pump the scripts and everything else into a machine obviously doing its machine learning things and then it could pop out like say give me a adam sandler like movie and there would be like no money and it it worries me as if people like you and i also have friends who are visual artists and graphic designers who's to say that someone can't use your work pump it into a machine to do its machine learning and then say give me something in the in the form of tim raines no it's you know i this is what you know the philosophical questions i talk to other you know the department heads at the college and the students is you know, from uh, Henry David Thoreau to artists to musicians, they've said, you know, stealing is a part of the game, you know, 20, 40, 100 years ago. Um, we build on each other's creativity and we bring our own personality to it. And I follow a number of artists online. I've always appreciated fresh art. It feels like it, you know, I don't know. I, I've seen new things now and then. I think since AI has come out, when I, I've seen such good art in the past year that is partially AI derived and generated. And, you know, I appreciate, I think the ones that I like do their own touch up and modification afterwards, but it's, it's astounding. It's creative. It's bring, it's bringing in disparate ideas that haven't been done uh, that I've seen. So I'm, I mean, my top, Follow, you know, artists follows right now are AI artists, honestly, and I really like what they're doing. That's interesting. Tim, I originally asked you, invited you to come on be, specifically because you had done work some uh, a while ago doing the logos of all the, the baseball teams. But before we get into that, where do you even? How did you become an artist? Because I, as I mentioned at the top of the, the top of this conversation, you were a, a sales tech, a tech salesman, and then. Again, where how did where I don't want to say transformation because I'm sure it was already always inside of you, but what was that spark and what was that constant constant influence and inspiration of like I'm okay doing this, but I want to go do that. That being create uh, creating art. Yeah. Uh, so good question. The progression was um, as a kid, you know, from drawing as early as I can remember. My dad was pretty good artist get grab the highlights magazine and, and do some art and it grew from there uh, when i got to high school my teachers encouraged me to be an artist i didn't see a pathway to a career certainly not one that i was passionate about and so the i looked at what relatives were doing for careers and sales was the way to go for me and so it sat kind of on the shelf and and i, could, I would get burned out of art pretty quickly it was just it was intensive it was drawing realist realism not abstract so after I had, you know, made a few bucks in that world and I was, uh, had a nice loft I wanted to decorate, I put some canvas on the ground and said, or I saw art around and I'm like, I can buy art. I want to support artists, but I can do that. And so I just started throwing paint, doing different things, putting art on the wall to cover my own space, you know, affordable in my own creation. And then I had neighbors in the complex that were like, who did your art? Well, I did. And they say, well, I'd, I'd like you to do one for me. And so um, that went from just pure abstracts to go, well, I, this is pretty cool. I was dropping the paint. That's how I do it. I put the canvas on the ground. I drop it. And it, um, I started doing a, I was like, well, let me work in this go. So I did a flower. I'm like, that's really cool. And um, I go, well, 
I can control this pretty well. What does that mean? And, uh, you know, so two passions, baseball and automobiles, you know, exotic cars, especially. So I'm like, well, let's see if I can do a Ferrari horse and I'll do a New York Yankees logo. Um, I'm a Texas fan, but, you know, Yankees are Yankees. They're a classic. And I did that. Um, I sent it to a licensing agent. He's like, I love it. Uh, he sold, he sells art and then will be licensed for art. I was the only abstract artist at the time. And, um, he, uh, he, he picked me up and he goes, you got to do all the logos. No one can do this. Like everyone does a Mickey Mantle or, or some famous realistic drawing, but no one's doing Robin Yao for, you know, Milwaukee Brewers. And so the small market teams don't have art collectibles. They don't have these things. This is huge. And that's kind of what Major League Baseball said when they, he sent them samples. They said, we want all of these. We want all the teams. This is excellent. And, you know, they ended up putting a poster or a print, you know, of all the teams in the New York headquarters and Dominican headquarters. So it was, it was a really cool opportunity that developed that way. I, I strongly encourage everyone to go to look up uh, your work and your website, which we'll get to uh, later later in the conversation. The way I would describe your artwork that I've seen, as well as what I've read, how other people describe it, it's almost like raindrops. It's like the reflection of raindrops. It's like yeah. the reflection of a puddle of raindrops. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's yeah. you know, really well described. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I kind of think of, you know, if you picture a Pollock painting, that's you've seen the movie or whatever, it's kind of how I look doing it. But then it has the effect of, you know, stipling or, you know, um, you know, Syrah kind of art where it's dotted. So it's a little combination of both. But yeah, it ends up looking like uh, raindrops, which fits my last name well. <laughs> very, very well done. We mentioned that you did the you you did the logos in your interpretation for all of the not just for Major League Baseball, the corporation, but as well as the teams. What team or teams did you find most challenging? In the sense, obviously, you said you're a Texas Rangers fan, but. When it comes to like the color palettes and just some of them have like animals, which one did you enjoy most? Is like this is going to be really this is going to be more challenging than 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 other team logos. Yeah, yeah. So with this, you know, uh, dropping from you know six foot tall, and I do I do a range of drops depending on the style. We don't have to get into that, but um, it's hard to be accurate as you can imagine. So anything complex, let's say the you know the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, is when they gave me the license, they're like, well, here's our, you know, here's the PDF of all the approved logos. And that, of course, includes travel logos, secondary, primary. Their primary logo, I wanted to do as many times as like uh, every team as possible. Some of them were just difficult. And um, you've got the Braves hat on, you know, that was pretty difficult for a primary logo. Um, but that's what I wanted to do whenever possible. So I'd say the Cardinals was the most difficult. But it turned out amazing. And that one ended up at an auction with uh, Carlos Beltran for his foundation, which was an awesome experience to be with the team the year after their what, 2013 World Series and uh, hanging out with the team and doing a whole auction like that. It was fantastic. So that's probably my favorite. But, you know, so the I think like anything in life, the more hard work you put into it, the more uh, valuable it is to you. On this podcast and in my personal life as well, I rail against the uncreativity of not just Major League Baseball, but the major sports team, us major, major sports organization. Case in point, now that we're about to get into the postseason, 
you know, all, it's a celebration week. So all the teams, they spray beer, champagne, and they all have the that same hat that says postseason, in it to win it, you know, through fight for October, all the, all the silly little slogans that Major League Baseball comes up with air quotes. And all they do is just plaster the team logo on it. I've always been a, a proponent of having teams hire local artists like yourself and saying, look, if we make it to the postseason, could you design spe- something specifically for us when we clinch a wild card, if we make it, you know, we win the pennant, we win the World Series because it's just so uninspiring. And I'm I'm wondering is how, without, you know, still being diplomatic, how difficult is it to work with a major corporation like MLB and saying you cannot deviate from this as opposed to me? I'm like, I would love, again, for teams to individually go out and when someone commissions an artist to do something. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, so much there. Um, I got the opportunity to do the Budweiser can for Tampa Bay, which was one that they did uh, graphic artists. Typically, I was probably the only abstract artist that did cans for every team. And they were all local artists, uh, supposedly from each team region. And that was great. And the can looked amazing. But um, yeah, I think that's important. You know, you you know, kind of, if you know anything about the, the way things are done, you, they make two of everything, you know, Super Bowl as well. Like, you know, they, they are, we're going to have the winners of both so that the very minute uh, the game is over, we can sell this, the rest go to Africa. And it's just like, there's so much money involved in that. If you gave even a small stipend to an artist at every, you know, at, at the top, you know, at the, the postseason teams, that gives them plenty of time to pair something, put some money in the pocket, and then it's ready to go so they can still activate their giant network of manufacturing and knock it out at, you know once the game's over and so i think that's a great idea and you know it's it is difficult i think to work with them you know one one of the things about having abstract logos is they like what i did um but my first cubs logo i did prior to getting the license for a friend and it was offset so part of the c was cut off i just thought it looked really cool in that example. So I submitted it and it was rejected uh, because it wasn't the full logo or, you know, or whatever. And that's fine. You know, I did another one, but then I guess what is like two years later, I'm watching ESPN and all of the MLB logos are like hacked down to a third, you know, like kind of for juxtaposition off to the side. And I'm like, so ESPN can do it, but I can't. So whatever. Uh, it, it just, it'd be nice to have a little more freedom, but I, I'd say more than anybody, you know, NFL is difficult. Um, NHL have done individual work with teams. They're pretty open-minded. Baseball is really good to artists. I would say they're, they're pretty open at some artists I know now have individual licenses, which is difficult to do. Um, so they've, they've been pretty supportive of smaller businesses, I think. That's a, that's brilliant. That's the first time I've heard of that. I am a big fan of art. I'm a big fan of baseball, and I love it when they come together like this. You obviously have come across this where your name is Tim Raines. You've, you have worked and still work in baseball in some capacity. You Obviously, some people, I'm sure, confuse you with another Tim Raines. Tell us how in the world you ended up on the Miami Marlins alumni email list. Yeah, I guess it's a you know it's an easy mistake. I don't know how um, or why they found me. I guess the uh, whoever runs that at the Marlins organization decided to Google when they didn't have you know background information. And uh, you know Tim Raines I don't think has a website. He, even after the Hall of Fame 
Uh, he doesn't seem to be much for social media and that's fine. That's great. So I guess they were just really wanting to be a part of the organization. So I got an email one day and said, welcome to the, you know, Marlins uh, alumni association. We have this event coming up. We'd like to see you there. I laughed, messaging back, said, uh, Hey, you know, this isn't that Tim Raines. Appreciate the the nod. He's like, Oh, that's, that's really crazy. I'll see, you know, so you want a Marlins Jersey anyway. I'm like, sure. Send it to me. So uh, ever since then, I'm still on the Marlins email list. He's <laughs> never taken me off, and uh, I should I should take advantage of that, shouldn't I? I don't know what I can do with that. But you probably can ask for a couple of t- of, of game tickets when you're ever in Miami, maybe yeah. for like Art Miami or Art Basel. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> I love going to Art Miami and Art Basel in December. What better place to go? Well, you're already in Florida, but again, what better place to be in December, at least in the United States, than Florida, yeah. <laughs> escaping the horrible winters? Speaking of jerseys, you had said that the Marlins gave sent you a jersey. Did you have a chance to see the Texas Rangers City Connect uniform that they unveiled this year? Uh, I saw their they had a the, throwback uniform this year. Was that the 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 T and the R yes. together? Yeah. What do you what do you, what did you think of that? I thought it was interesting. I didn't recognize them as the Rangers when I had I, I think I saw it. I was at out at a restaurant. I'm looking up and I go, well, who is that? And I'm pretty used to MLB and all sports now changing uniforms to sell merchandise you know every game so uh it wasn't a surprise but i i did not know that was the rangers by looking at it it was quite a complex logo for tnnr i think there's it was cool overall. yeah i i i'm i'm up in the air uh, on that i think there's some there's a handful of very good city connect uniforms that they that nike has come out with and that's what, another thing that also going back to what i said about mlb i am not a fan about nike leading the push for the city connect to basically you know the concept of the city connect is to ground the team in the community but you're basically i, I may be speaking out of turn here but i think it's just a bunch of graphic designers sitting in portland or wherever in the world nike is and again not hiring local artists i think some of the some of the uniforms are atrocious most of them were the Atlanta Braves being right up there as much as I'm a Braves fan. Anyways, I can keep going on and on about that because it just bothers me. You told us yeah, about I think what bothered me the most is, and I don't follow college football that much, but it was, you know, that's when I first noticed this Nike, and I will blame it on them. I think you're right to blame it on them because it started with the Oregon, uh, not, is it the Beavers or whatever? No, the or- Oregon Ducks, University oh, of Oregon, because that's yeah. where Phil Ford yeah, they got off with radiance and then changing the uniform every other week. It just it just reeked. You know, I, I'm a traditionalist, so I apologize for that. That's why I like the Yankees in a lot of ways and, and others is, you know, the pinstripes or in football, just having the number on one side of the helmet for Alabama. It just, you know, and all of a sudden you saw all these colleges dropping their traditional uniforms for that. And baseball, I think, has done it a little better. Um, but, yeah, there's been some some bad mistakes and it does seem to be driven by the uh you know the the money more than the the design and you know I, and that's why i you know i think having local artists local designers it would it would change the game we yeah nice you spent some time there it's awesome it's known as a creative city you told us that you you were drawing from a, a young age when you were much younger obviously in a different time before being a tech salesman where does your love of baseball and the Texas Rangers and maybe even how if you how excited you are about the Rangers possibilities in October as well? Uh, good question. Um, I probably, you know, I started 
just like a lot of kids, I guess, that kind of got into every little sport as a little leaguer and all that. I liked baseball pretty well. Um, I think once it started getting to pitching faster, I was a little bit scared of that stuff. So um, soccer became my thing for, for playing, but the Tim Raines connection kind of really cemented the baseball love because people in high school would go, ah, Tim Raines, the baseball player, you know, as a joke. And I really decided to follow Tim's career and it was great. You know, I enjoyed the attention in that way. And um, my, and in baseball, I was closer to Houston. So I probably spent, you know, half the year in Houston and half the year at the Rangers ballpark. Um, so I just, I've always liked it. I like the thinking of it. I like the the statistics. I guess that's the tech part of me, but I think, you know, someone's, I saw something like 1.2 million outcomes every at bat, you know, or something ridiculous like that. And, you know, and I, I just, I like the statistics. I like that whole thing. I like the movies. I like everything about it. I don't know why it's, it's a special sport to me. It's, it is American. Uh, it's the you know quintessential American sport, the pastime, of course. So it's in my blood, I guess. Are you going to be watching any of the Rangers games for, in the playoffs? Yeah, as, as much as possible. I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I think kind of like anyone that's in this job, uh, who was I talking to the other day that was doing baseball? Oh, my, uh, my kid's in Little League, and he's got a batting coach who's uh, here in Florida who's sent a few players to the major leagues. And, uh, I asked him what his favorite team was. I was going to give him one of my friends. He goes, I don't have one. I've got players here, here, and here. And that's kind of how I feel. You know, it's hard for me to say I have a favorite team. Um, I, you know, my dream is to take my kid and do the family clinic at the Yankees because it's right up the road and no one else really does that that I'm aware of. And of course, you know, the famous, uh, you know, men's fantasy league with the, with the Yankees would be the real dream. So that's really cool. I love, the, the Astros and what they built. It's frustrating to see the Rangers not win the World Series yet. We had the one chance and was, they really blew it. I like the Brewers. I like small market teams. I love their logo. The best stadium I've been to is, I think, the Nats. I mean, not not from a design standpoint or anything, but you know, the the party deck when all the all the interns from Congress or whatever oh, show the, up in their suits. The Budweiser. Yeah place in like center left field yeah i've been there red's porch um, right yeah red's porch being at um camden yard like i don't know like how can you how can you pick just one there's just there's so many great experiences in baseball and all those teams are going to be the playoffs the rangers the orioles the astros with the exception of the washington nationals but yeah <laughs> continuing on in baseball if we were to say Tim, we're going to take you away from the art world for a little bit because we need your help in Major League Baseball. If you were to become the new Major League Baseball commissioner, what's one or two things that you would do to change the game in the way you would want it? In anything from from rules, from spending, anything you want because you are now the new Major League Baseball commissioner. Well, I'm. It's a interesting question. What I I've had been getting burned out on the whole corporate MLB you know, monopoly. I think we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, just you know, some of the things that are frustrating. I think this year has been really exciting. I think they've turned it around and the Rays, uh, in my local team is the Rays, you know, going there now, there's actually people in the stands. And I hear that that's the way it is across the country, that, you know, attendance is up. 
the you know things are more exciting. There's higher, you know, more stolen bases, so they're doing an okay job. I think what I would bring to it, without being silly and sounding stupid, but it might be more of a minor, like putting money into the minor leagues and opening the door a little more for competitive leagues. Even um, is bringing baseball back to America on a regional and, and city basis. You know what the the Savannah Bananas are doing is just it's absolutely excellent. Um, I know in Texas, there are some small markets in my pro teams now that are kind of coming up with the hipster vibe, you know, you know, I cringe some, you know, to think that I'm into hipster stuff at my age, but they're wearing kind of, you know, the vintage uniforms, they have creative names. It's got that Austin roller derby girl vibe. You know, people show up, they drink beer, they are, they know the players, the players interact with the fans. I think that's kind of what's missing. So I'm glad to see MLB turning it around, but I would probably put my money into creating, bringing baseball back to truly being a big deal in America. And I think what teams like that are being more creative, um, they're being more local focused is, is where it's at. And, um, you know, you don't have to be slapstick, but that's something that's their, that's their thing. You know, having players that have personality that connect the fans are kind of, required to some extent to be almost like actors in a play. I don't think it's a lot, it's a huge ask, but build some personality, be a part of the community. Um, I think that would be cool to see as an expanded minor league type of system. I do like that I, because I think there was a contraction of minor league teams down to the current 120. I think it was before the 2020 season. Obviously this was before all those decisions were taken before the, the COVID pandemic. I think that minor, the way minor, the, the minor league teams in existence, I think the majority of them do a really good job of being obviously uh, com- competitive, but also being a little silly to make it more family friendly. And for the most part, you can walk, especially talking about the Florida League, which I think is more difficult. And I'll get to that in a second. But I do like as a most part, you can just walk up and buy a ticket for five, ten dollars any night. Every night they have some silly thing. The kids run the bases. You get hot dogs for a dollar. Take a picture with the mascot. I like all that stuff. My issue as a baseball fan as a whole, because I love World Baseball Classic, Minor League, the Latin American leagues, like just baseball, is the translation from Minor League, where it's so open, to Major League, where you go for paying $5 for a ticket in Major League, where you have to pay $30, $40 to sit in the nosebleed section. And then it's going to cost you $100 to take a family of three or four to the game. That's, I think it's, it's, it's just that gap is so wide, I think. And minor league baseball can, can help fill that, but there's a difference in play between watching high A in the Florida state league with the uh, Saras- with the Sarasota, uh, the Bradenton Marauders close to where you are, the, the, the Dunedin Blue Jays, the, the Clearwater Threshers, the Tampa Tarpons, the Yankees high A that's what bothers me and as well. And the, in the Florida state league is it rains all the time. For like, you know, the thunderstorms come down for about an hour every single day. And it just the games are unplayable because there's no there's no roof. There's no covering. Well, I think baseball should always be played outdoors, but that's a different subject. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a tough one because I don't I wish I knew more about the finance. I understand that lots of you know like modern sports is all about the TV. Um, I'm, I'm involved in motorsports also beyond baseball with my art. They don't necessarily, from what I understand, care too much about the ticket sales or how many people show up. 
because the money's made on the TV and the sponsorships in that way. And now it's all gambling money as well, which is, I think, not to be a preacher, terrible. But that's that flow to MLB. I don't like the gambling money or that the the gambling money and the the gambling money flows to the owners and Major League Baseball. It does not flow to the players as well as as you. A lot of the teams are now this their stadiums are just converted to like real estate games. They're just real estate owners where they're building out like in Washington. They build out that whole area around the the Nationals, and the same thing with Atlanta. They have yeah. that whole hotels. All that money stays with the owners. Yeah. It, it's basically they're just it's just baseball teams fronting as no real estate companies fronting as baseball teams right yeah which i've been to the new brain stadium it's great but it does you know it's like taxpayer dollars fund the you know owners to have real estate and make leasing money and all that yeah i i would like if, if the truth is that they make money in these other ways then why not fill the you know the tropicana you know it, which it's you know now it's busy but i mean it's not filled when I went to the playoffs last year, it was packed. Like I couldn't even get a ticket except for my nosebleeds. Those nosebleeds have always been covered with canvas, you know, every time I've been. I mean, I've been to games where there's 11,000 people and the Yankees were the other team, which in, if you know anything about Tropicana Field, more yeah. than half the, the attendance is going to be the other team because Absolutely. no one's from here. Um, so when the Yankees show up and it's only 11,000 people, that's terrible. But, you know, that's changing. But why not sell or, you know, drop the ticket price to, to pack it? I don't, especially if your money's coming from these other, you know, TV revenues or gambling or whatever it is. I think in the in the specific case of Tampa, they they ha- they should have moved to downtown. I, I and I know they just made those announcement that they're going to build another stadium in the gas in the gas plant district or whatever. But it's if you if anyone knows anything about Tampa Bay area, everyone works in downtown Tampa. It's not. I don't think it's conducive to be building another stadium in downtown St. Pete, as beautiful as it is, because it is beautiful. Tim, I don't want to hold you for too long, but I certainly appreciate your time. When us as baseball fans want to go to art galleries in the Tampa Bay area, or in the Bradenton area, or go to spring training, what do you recommend good local places that you like to have a drink, coffee, food in the, the Bradenton, Sarasota, Tampa area? Right. Yeah. So if you're doing spring training, um, I highly recommend uh, catching the Pirates and then walking across the street to Motorworks Brewery. Fantastic. Some of the best beer um, in this region. And Is that um, new? Uh, it's been around a few years. Because I, I um, went to the, the Pirates like five years ago, and I don't think there was anything across the street. And it it's it's a great city. Yeah, so maybe, probably... Probably around that time. Must have opened just right after you, but it's got huge oak trees, nice patio, live music, good food. If you're in Sarasota with the Orioles, there's uh, Sun King Brewing, which is based in Indianapolis, but they've got a branch here now. Um, I like, uh, you know, Calusa for beer, food right there. There's some, you know, it's not in the best neighborhood, so you, you probably just end up going downtown. Uh, for Tampa or for the you know, Tampa Bay Rays, high end. I love. Uh, well, there's great breweries everywhere. I think uh, Green Bench Brewing or Three Daughters, and then um, food wise, I like um, brick and mortar for kind of high end, really creative, interesting stuff. 
Hawkers is right there, which I think is becoming. I was just about to say Hawkers. I I really did like that place. I went there a few years ago. Yeah, and you know, um, I I uh, Mark's place. Gosh, um, I'd say he would probably not be happy if I didn't remember mentioning. Um, oh God, now I can't even think of it. What's the the Mark's uh, or the, the big sports bar right there by you know by the stadium? Uh, Ferg's, Mark Ferguson's place. Yeah, Ferg's. <laughs> so, you know, if you're you know, pre-gaming, Ferg's is awesome. Uh, I think my giant Budweiser beer can is still sitting there, sun-faded, in the parking lot. So look for that when you walk into the game. Um, but, yeah, you got to go to Ferg's for pre-game uh, for any kind of sport. I do like how in St. Pete, White, we're in that same area where you had mentioned Hawkers. That's been recently developed where they have a boatload of new restaurants out there. And there's a there's also a really good ice cream place out there that's escaping my name. I do want to say one thing about Hawkers, though, that I was it was good food. I was disappointed because I thought if if you have or anyone listening has been to Singapore, Hawkers is just like the stalls. And so I thought that it was just going to go up and be able to order one, you know, one dish from like three different stalls. And it was, it was just a restaurant that sold like Singaporean hawker. That was the only, that was my only issue with hawkers. Cause again, I had that Singaporean thought mm-hmm. that, that, but it, it's really good food in that whole area, which is, uh, you can't really walk from there to Tropicana, but it's, it's a really short drive to, uh, to where the Rays play. Oh, you can, that's walking distance. It's right there. Just about, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a long walk, but there's, as long as it's not uh, yeah. 113 degrees in like July, or raining, <laughs> exactly. It's about that time of day. Exactly, Tim. I want to thank you for your time. I always love talking to creatives, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Let us know where we yeah. can find your work online, and also potentially buy any of your uh, amazing pieces. Oh, sure. Uh, unfortunately, my gallery in St. Pete is closed, but that's okay. Uh, online is really where everything's at these days. So timothyrains.com because Tim Rains was taken, but not by the baseball player. Thanks to Tim for joining us this week. And this beer that I've been drinking in this episode, hey, it's called Transverse. It's an autumn ale because it's basically autumn now. It's from a good American local brewery called Torch and Crown Brewing Company in the Bronx, New York. It doesn't really agree with me because I think it's even though it said it's autumn ale, it's too hoppy for me. I can't stand hoppy beers. I hate IPAs. This is not an IPA, but it's like a IPA adjacent. So it's good, but I think it could have been better because again, when I see ale, I expect a certain taste. And it's incredible that this year, no, there's going to be no playoff teams from New York. The New York Mets obviously have been out for, for a while. The New York Yankees officially were not were eliminated, I think, when they lost on Monday at home against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I loved it. I was rubbing my hands with glee. Not because I hate the Yankees or the Mets. It has nothing to do with that. Because I can't stand ESPN. And I thought, oh boy, what is ESPN going to do? How infuriated are the television schedulers schedulers on ESPN because they cannot now put the New York Yankees at the prime time playoff spot every single night to be playing at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The people at ESPN are pulling their hair out if it has not already fallen out. They're like, oh my God, the Yankees are in. They're probably petitioning Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, to cancel the postseason. 
And I would even say that they've talked, the, those, those dummies, those bozos at ESPN saying, I'm just completely making this up, of course, they probably want to play classic New York Yankee playoff games. They want to show these from, you know, 1999, 1998, when they were winning all those World Series, as opposed to actually actually showing the 2023 postseason. God forbid they put the Atlanta Braves on at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or the Texas Rangers or the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, I love it that the Mets and the Yankees are both out because ESPN are on their knees crying tears of blood. I love it. That being said, I'm going to love to drink, to have one more drink from this transverse automail beer. And I want to thank you for listening to Last Call Baseball. Be great and get home safe. Enjoy the playoffs, the most exciting time of the year.